Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. A listener note, this podcast contains strong language and disturbing content. In February 1994, Daisy Letts was in her 70s and living alone. She turned on the television one afternoon. The police were digging up the garden of a family home in Gloucester. They had found human remains. The house looked familiar. She'd been there before. It belonged to her daughter, Rose West. Fled from my home that night, and I never went back home again. I couldn't go back there. I couldn't face up to people who I've known, people who I've worked with, and I just couldn't face up to it. In this episode, Rose West's childhood. I talked to her mother, Daisy. Were there clues in Rose's early life that help explain the woman she became? From something else, this is Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes. Episode 5. I'm happy, Mum. I'm Howard Soons, the author of Fred and Rose. Last time we heard how Fred West met Rosemary Letts in 1969. 15-year-old Rose, 12 years Fred's junior, was put into care. When she turned 16, she moved in with Fred and his two young daughters. But then Fred got in trouble with the law for minor offences. While he was in jail, his daughter Charmaine disappeared. Charmaine's mother and Fred's first wife, Rena Costello, also disappeared. 23 years later... Rena's remains were found buried in Letterbox Field, much Markle. Charmaine's bones were discovered under the West's old flat at 25 Midland Road in Gloucester. Fred West confessed to Rena's murder and he claimed to have killed Charmaine, but police believe this was a lie to cover up for Rose killing the child when Fred was in prison. It was summer 1994, five months since the arrests of Fred and Rose West, and I was deep into research for my book. I had spoken to many people, including Fred's family and Much Markle, trying to fathom his early life. But Rose's childhood was just as important and puzzling. Rose's father was dead, but Rose's mother, Daisy Letts, was still around. With Fred's parents deceased, that made Daisy the last living parent of the couple. 
I traced her to a village in Herefordshire near the Welsh border. On a day off from my job at the Mirror in July 1994, I drove there from London hoping to persuade Daisy to speak. The map led me deep into the countryside to a tiny bungalow on an estate for retired people with a white rail outside the front door. There was no answer when I first knocked and speaking discreetly to neighbours, I gathered that they didn't know about Daisy's links to the West case. I waited in my car until a little old lady returned to the house. Hello? This had to be her. Hello, this is Let's. Yes. Hello, my name's Howard Sims. You don't know me. Um, I... No. At first, she seemed reticent. Control for bus water, sir. Come away from London. Do you mind? I've been waiting. I've been coming away from London. Well, that's very nice of you. But then she invited me in. You make a nice cup of tea, Mrs. Les. Is that a homemade cake? Yes. Oh, excellent. My lips come from London. She was like a grandmother. She was a little old lady, you know, white hair and a house coat with her biscuit tin. You felt sympathy for her and you felt that she was completely lost and overwhelmed by it all and had been all her life, you know, and her life had been horrible. I've put up with a lot, but I mean, something like this is... Maybe you turn, something like this. Maybe you turn. I just want to live. I don't, I don't want money. I want to live. She said she didn't want money. I hadn't mentioned it, but she must have known that people were being offered cash by newspapers for their stories. I've given them, given them, given them over a year. Money wouldn't be no good to me, would it? No. Wouldn't. Sitting with Daisy in her bungalow... It was clear that she was still trying to come to terms with this news. Not just that her daughter was an alleged killer, but also that her granddaughter, Heather, was among the victims. Were there secrets in Rose's childhood or warning signs that might have been acted upon? Rosemary Pauline Letts was born in Devon, Southwest England in November 1953. The fifth of seven children, she spent her first few years growing up in the seaside village of Northern, overlooking the Bristol Channel. As a baby, she was a model baby. She was lovely. She never cried. She'd lay in her pram for hours, as good as gold. I'd already been to Northam to do some research. A neighbour there told me that Rose used to rock herself compulsively as a baby in her pram. Didn't she used to rock as yes. a child? Rock, not as a child. I reckon she still does it now. And if you went in the room and called her, she wouldn't hear you because her head was so dizzy, I reckon. And if you put her in the pram by the end of the room, it'd be over the other end in no time. Daisy confirmed that baby Rose rocked herself so vigorously that her pram would move across the floor. Daisy didn't consult a doctor about this. Did you ever ask a doctor about that or a no. nurse? 
know, I just, I think, I just thought it was a habit. I never, never ever thought. Rose's rocking, even as an adult, was a startling image. What is called rhythmic movement disorder can be an indication of developmental problems, though there is no medical evidence that this was the case with Rose. What we do know is that Rose had a joyless childhood, lacking the small pleasures that most families take for granted. What did she do for fun when she was a girl? Did you have any hobbies or did she, did she sew or pop music? Did she like pop music? Mm. Movies? I'm about to have pop music now, huh? <laughs> Didn't she have pin-ups of film stars she liked? Or... No. What did she do for fun? Bicycle? Did she, could she swim? No, I don't think she did, no. No holidays? No, we never had much fun, no. Did the kids have never. bikes? Push bikes? No. We were hard up. We lived a very hard up life. There was no pop music allowed, there was no playing on bikes or going to movies, and they couldn't afford holidays. The reason for this austere life was Rose's father, Bill. He and Daisy married during the Second World War when he was in the Royal Navy. But after the war, he struggled to find work and took out his frustration on his family. He was a tiny deliverer. Only in those days, you never got anybody to help you. And I used to be ashamed of how Dad carried on that I didn't speak to nobody about him. And we literally sat with hell behind our doors, really. Bill ruled the house with an iron hand. He insisted that the rooms were kept spotless. The children were given chores and they were beaten if they weren't done properly. Dinner was eaten in silence. The family could only watch the TV programmes Dad liked. If anything upset Bill, he'd fly into a terrible rage. When he used to come in from work, you could see whether he was in a in one of these moods. You could see it on his face, you know? When Bill came home from work, Daisy could see on his face if there was going to be violence. He, was, he could be quite violent. If, and, and if they did something wrong, he'd bash their heads on the wall, wouldn't he? If the children did anything wrong, he'd bang their heads against the wall. And then the, he, there was the other side of him, where he would never forget your birthday... Go out and buy you something really nice for your birthday, you know. But he could be pleasant and generous, remembering birthdays and buying gifts. It was as if he was two different people. You, you know, he was definitely two different people like that. As Daisy was telling me stories of her tyrannical husband, I glanced around the room for photographs of this man who was starting to seem an important part of the story. Can you show me a picture of him? Do you have anything to show me? No. Daisy had no pictures to show me. Do you not have any? I sent all the photos to Rosie once. Well, all of them? All of them. One day I packed them all up and I felt, I wrote, I felt you were the best one to have them, Rose. One day she sent them all to Rose. Not knowing what was happening, you know. 
So I suppose now the police are gone. You haven't got any photographs of your family? No. Oh. Of your husband, of your marriage, your wedding no. day? Good Lord. There were no wedding photos in her house. No pictures of the family or the children when they were young. For Daisy, they only brought back bad memories. Because they only reminded me of miserable years. And I didn't want to know. The family moved around with Bill's work, first to the naval port of Plymouth, then to the village of Bishop's Cleeve in the countryside near Gloucester. Bill got a factory job that came with the house. It was a step up in life, but he seemed no happier, and the children were still terrified of his rages. So was Daisy. Because I, I, I was seriously thinking of leaving altogether, but I couldn't leave the children. She lived a separate life in the house, sleeping apart from Bill, who, she said, was cold towards her. Eventually, things became so bad that she tried to take legal action to keep her husband away from her. She took the younger children, including Rose, to live with her grown-up daughter, Glenys, and her husband, Jim Tyler, we heard from Jim in the last episode with the story about the snack bar. Bill's mood swings were too much for Daisy. But was there any clinical reason for his extreme behaviour? I asked her if he had ever sought medical help. Did you ever have any treatment? Did you ever go to hospital and have any psychiatric treatment? I got him. I got the psychiatrist in my One time, she did persuade Bill to see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist told me there was nothing wrong with him. The specialist couldn't find anything wrong, but thought Bill's behaviour might be down to overwork. He must have been overworking or something. A few weeks later, I rang Daisy to check some facts. It was then that she told me about something she discovered after Bill died in 1979. Bill was schizophrenic. I see this on the medical, I think. I thought to myself, well, who could that be, you know? I wonder how they knew he was a schizophrenic. Well, I didn't know that they did know until I see this on their medical. He was, a, he was a classic case, wasn't he? Because he could be very kind. That's right, And, and, yes, straight, and, then, that's and right. then, for no good reason, he could be very, quickly changed, very yeah. angry and that's right, aggressive. Yeah. That's right. Always, he felt you were sort of working up against him uh, with yeah. something, you know. The diagnosis may explain a lot. Some days, Bill was fine. Other days, he walked in the front door, spoiling for a fight. Daisy had no idea of her husband's diagnosis. He kept it from the family. Daisy had to endure his mood swings and violence. But ultimately, it took its toll. Well, I 
Daisy had a nervous breakdown. To treat her depression, the hospital gave her electroconvulsive therapy. But there was something else. She was pregnant while this was happening. Pregnant with Rose. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I was investigating Rose's early life. Both her parents had psychiatric problems. Her father, Bill, was a violent schizophrenic. Daisy herself suffered a mental breakdown and received electric shock treatment when she was pregnant with Rose. Could this treatment have had any effect on Rose's development in the womb? I know I couldn't cope with things after that. Yeah. I was obviously quite ill at the time. See, normally, I was just talking to an expert the other day about, yeah. about the treatment. Oh, yeah. yeah it was called, you know, it's called ECT, that's what we're talking yes, about. Yes, that's right. Did you have an anaesthetic, by the way? Did they, did they put, no. put you to sleep before they did it? No. No? Um, no. Were you wide awake? That's right. Yes. Um, they just sort of attach something to your head and right. and then you bite onto something and you don't know no more. You bite onto a, like a rubber thing, Yes, and then you didn't know no more after that. And then you black out. Yeah. Yeah. The use of electroconvulsive therapy is still controversial. During the 50s, it was used much more widely. Sometimes it was used without patient's consent or without anaesthetic, 
as was the case with Daisy. Today, using it on patients who are pregnant is a last resort, only in the most serious cases. The effects on unborn babies is still disputed. It's impossible to judge the effect, if any, of Daisy's ECT on Rose, but it seems likely that Daisy's depression and her father's untreated schizophrenia would have had some effect on young Rose. In many ways, these were factors beyond her parents' control. But when Rose was 15, something happened that her parents tried but failed to prevent. She met Fred West. And I can't remember a lot, but I can remember him coming in. And I don't know whether he came in with Rose. Yeah, I think he did. Rose brought her new boyfriend home to meet her parents. She told me that she was looking after his children. He must have been horrified when she brought this old man, older man home. He was 27. Well, you must have been shot. That's right. Yes, that's right. Daisy and Bill took an instant dislike to Fred. He seemed to be an habitual liar, and the 12-year age gap was worrying. Well, his dad was so shocked because she insisted on going with him after dad had said. So her father alerted the social services. Dad got in touch with the social people and got her put into care. Rose spent a short amount of time in care just before her 16th birthday in late 1969. The fact that she was involved with Fred was one reason, but there may have been others. Two of Rose's brothers told me that the family had heard that Rose was entertaining men in Fred's caravan. Her brother Graham said she paraded about the family home in the nude and masturbated him as a child. Stranger still, Rose was the only child Bill Letts didn't hit. It is believed that he may have sexually abused Rose. This is what Fred claimed, and other sources agree, despite what Daisy said about Bill's prim and proper Victorian ways. Nothing ever happened when Rosemary was a teenager or a young girl that was odd in a sexual way. She wasn't. She didn't yeah. behave in a strange way. Like, did I didn't know nothing about it. Do you think that would have been allowed in our house? Is that being Victorian? Daisy denied there was anything sexual happening at home. Bill was too strict. She was behaved when you were there. Only when you went out, she misbehaved. No? Impossible? Almost impossible. Why? Because Dad was, he was so much. When he wasn't Everything had to be right. She said there was no way Rose could be misbehaving, even when she was out. Her dad was so stern. Everything had to be just right. There was nothing sexy, nothing of any description like that. If anything went on there, it was Dad being cruel to them. Perhaps Daisy couldn't face the truth. What we do know is that Rose went to see Fred the moment she got out of care, as soon as she turned 16, and Bill was furious. There was no way Dad was going to let her go down to a caravan with a man who had two children, um, 
Bill wasn't going to let Rose live in a caravan with a grown man and his two children. He did go down to the caravan and get her. He did go down there. He went down there once to threaten him. Bill went to the caravan to confront Fred. Bill threatened to cut Fred. Rose didn't say anything. What did Rose say? How did she defend? Because she was really she was. Um, she was going against you and your husband, wasn't she? Well, she wasn't the sort of girl that would say, have a go, you know, an answer sort of thing. She just sort of would stand and say, go glum, like, you know, like she's now. Just, just go quiet. She kept on seeing Fred. No. But she still, every, each day, she went back there, did she? You couldn't stop her. She just went left and went there. Well, Dad had dared her to go down there, but she obviously did go down. So at 16, Rose had thwarted her parents' attempts to keep her away from Fred West. The prize was her freedom, or so it seemed. And then she'd come home to get her, to pick her things up. Eventually, Rose came home to pick her things up. And my sister was there at the time, and my sister said, Are you going? We're not going, are you, Rosie? Daisy's sister was there. And my sister... She was amazed at the way Rose stood up to Bill. And I, I thought, yeah, anyway, we couldn't stop her. Almost a year later, when Rose was nearly 17, she gave birth to her first child, Heather. To my horror, I realised it was going to happen and she was away with him. Yeah. She wasn't at home when that happened. She was, she was with, him. with him. When Daisy realised Rose was pregnant, she was horrified. With Rose living with Fred, there was nothing Daisy could do. Rose was defiant. She had left her parents for Fred, a married man many years her senior. There were his two children, Charmaine and Anna Marie, and she just had a baby. This young family was in a flat in Midland Road, in Gloucester city centre. But Rose was only a teenager, and this new life wasn't easy. Not long after she had given birth to Heather, Rose turned against Fred. She ran home to her mum and dad. She told her parents that she'd had enough. Soon after that, just the same day, Fred came to the back door. Then they heard a noise from the back door. It was Fred. And um, he said to Rosie, he said, uh, come on, Rosie, he said, you know what we've got between us? Fred said, come on, Rosie, you know what we've got between us. And Rosie, you know, Rosie's never sort of talked enough. She never made a conversation. She turned to her father, who stood there, and Fred stood at the back door. Rose stood between her father and Fred. She said, you don't know him, she said. You don't know him, she said. Nothing he wouldn't do, she said, including murder. She said, you don't know him. There's nothing he wouldn't do, including murder. She said he would even do murder. 
Did she leave that day? Yeah. Rose didn't come home again. Her future was with Fred. They were married and moved to Cromwell Street soon after. Her vivid and chilling words, there's nothing he wouldn't do, including murder, ring out like a warning now, but Daisy thought Rose was just overwrought. In fact, Fred had already murdered. There were other warning signs that Daisy didn't recognise. Once, for instance, Daisy's youngest son, Gordon, that's one of Rose's three brothers, visited the West at Cromwell Street and asked Fred's daughter, Anna Marie, for a cup of tea. The girl says, uh, no. And Gordon says, oh, come on, he said, let's have a cup of tea, Anna. Anna Marie wouldn't make her uncle a drink. He said, I'll go and make it. Well, he went in the kitchen to make it, and next thing he knew, So he went to the kitchen himself. Then Fred appeared. And, um, beat him up and sent him... Beat Gordon up? Beat him up because he was in the kitchen. Fred beat Gordon up for going in the kitchen. I mean, I mean, at the time, I just thought nothing of it. I just thought, well, he didn't want Gordon in there, you know. In 1973, Fred buried the remains of a lodger named Linda Goff under the bathroom next to the kitchen. More victims were buried outside the kitchen door. Perhaps Gordon got too close. Going back and seeing what we see, you can see why, because he didn't want nobody... Know. But there were some obvious reasons for concern. Charmaine, the daughter of Fred's first wife, Rena, hadn't been seen since 1971. Hadn't Daisy ever wondered what happened to this child? You've got to remember, they that she'd gone back to her mother. Fred and Rose said she had gone back to her mother, Rena. I, I it was true that they'd let her go back to her mother. I, I asserted it. Over the next few years, as the children grew up, Daisy didn't see much of Rose. Then one day in the early 90s, Daisy saw the West family together for what would be the last time. They all came to her bungalow, and it was a task to fit them all in. And there was, uh, so that would be one, two, three, or five, six, seven. That was eight of them without Fred and her. Fred and Rose now had eight children. And um, I just made tea and cut some, made some sandwiches and, and then they went after that. Did you have words with Rose? I just asked her if, if um, she'd heard from Heather. Daisy asked after Heather. What did she say? And she, she turned away and walked across the room. She said, no, she said she's off with her cronies. Rose said Heather was off with her cronies. What if Fred said about Heather? Nothing. Daisy didn't question Rose or Fred any further. What she didn't know was that Heather was dead and buried under the patio at Cromwell Street.
talking to Daisy about her daughter provoked as many questions as answers. Rose had clearly had a strange childhood, exposed to cruelty, mental illness, and possibly sexual abuse. I spoke to Daisy a couple more times on the phone as I worked on my book. During one of my last calls, Daisy told me a further story about Rose. In the early days of Rose's marriage, Daisy says that she and Bill didn't visit much, but in the mid-70s, they got a car. Dad used to say, we'll go and see. She's all right. Like, you know, she's all right. And we used to go over there, and most of the time she'd been crying, but she would never tell us what was wrong. They used to drive over to check on Rose, they'd often find that she'd been crying, but she wouldn't say why. She'd always, she always had been crying when you went there. Her eyes had always red, and you could see she'd been crying, you know. Dad used to say to me, I, I'd like to know what is going on, you know. And, and we used to say, where's Fred? And every time we asked where Fred was, she would say, he's working. Rose's eyes would be red, and she would say that Fred was out working. To me, he's not working this time of night, you know. She obviously wasn't happy with him because she tried to leave him and she was crying. No, she was. This is a funny thing I can't make out. Whether it was just a way or whether she didn't want us to know she wasn't happy, I don't know. Daisy could never figure out what her daughter was feeling. But as time went by and we see her, the later years, she's always seemed happier. And she would say that she was happy, you know. But as the years passed, Rose seemed happier. It was this that Daisy couldn't get out of her mind. I mean... Yeah. Would someone who was involved in something like that say that I'm happy, Mum? That's how she said it to me. I'm happy, Mum. There was one question that had been hanging in the air throughout this conversation. Could Daisy have done anything different? Was she in some indirect way responsible for what Rose became? For Daisy, the blame was on her husband. Had Dad have been different, he would have made, if he'd been a different bloke and loved, the kids had loved him, that he may have got Rosie and gone over there and said, look, well, she's not saying here, whatever you say. But he wasn't like that. To be fair, Daisy hadn't yet grasped the enormity of the case against her daughter. As our afternoon tea drew to a close, it became clear to me that Daisy still hadn't faced the terrible truth. How did they kill them? Well, in terrible ways. I think it's probably something you'd rather not know, really. It won't do any good. But I think she took part in killing. It wasn't Fred killing. How could she? It was them killing. How could she? Do you think she's got caught in it and frightened? She, and then became too frightened? Cause we I think she enjoyed it. No. Yeah. I think they both enjoyed it at the end. 
What, like a sex thing, was it? Hmm. Hardly. Next time on Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, the people who did know something. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, was written and presented by Howard Soons. The producer was Paul Smith. The executive producer was Russell Finch. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The title music was composed by Shani Aviram, with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Antonia Udenlami, Ben Maidley and Alice Lutchins. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes is a Something Else production. Also from Something Else. How did we get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tanya Byron. In these in-depth, one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful, and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... God, don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.